it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, and how to get your work noticed and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you as well as a few of my own and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee, maybe your paint water, a glass of wine, and join me over in my sunny windowsill. lovelies. Thank you so much for tuning into the windowsill. I am so glad you are here. I am talking to just a fascinating person today. Rukmini Podar is an artist, designer, and educator. Her creative passion lies at the intersection of emotional wellness and creative storytelling. She is the author of Draw Your Feelings, a creative journal to help connect with your emotions through art. And I have a copy in my hands right now, and I'm telling you, it is juicy. There's no way you could go through this and not know so much more about yourself. It's creative, too. It looks creative. Like, obviously, it's made by a creative person, how it's put together. But the thought process is deep and... I think it's going to be a really amazing exercise. I think the thing is like commit to doing it and oh my goodness, how you will grow. Rukmini has found her creative voice in participating in the 100 day project for over nine consecutive years and has grown her Instagram community to over 100,000 followers. We talk a lot about that. It's really interesting kind of how she approached this. You know, the things that happen when you're not expecting them are pretty cool. She is best known for her drawings that give life to her emotions. She teaches people how to draw their emotions and leads workshops with corporate teams, schools, and large gatherings of over 400 people. Some of the things we talk about this episode are Rukmini's personal and artistic journey, the very true connection between emotions and art. It's fascinating how vulnerability can inspire others. And this one is just worth repeating, you know, how being yourself and showing up as yourself can connect you to others in ways that you would never expect. Also recognizing and working through different forms of resistance, such as self-sabotage and procrastination, the links between art, emotions, and mental wellness, the importance of creativity for individuals in corporate roles, and the need for more humanity in the workspace. Certainly, Rugmini's journey with 100 Day Projects, and I'm sure many of you will relate to that, overcoming creative challenges, and also the beauty in naivete when you're doing something for the first time. I'm a big fan of that. And we can lose it as we get into it. So we talk about all these things and more. And it's just a fascinating conversation. I so appreciate people that share themselves, their paths, and you know, the things that they're discovering along the way. So I very much uh, look forward to sharing this with you. And thank you, Rigmini, for coming on and talking to me. And thank you, all of you, for being here in the windowsill with me today. 
Thank you so much for being here today. I'm really just inspired by what you do. And I'm looking forward to sharing that and learning a little bit more about how you got there. Thank you, Margo. I'm so excited to be here as well. I love that. So your creative journey is one that focuses on drawing emotions and your creative passion lies at the intersection of, I'd say, emotional wellness and creative storytelling, which I love. Can you share with us how you initially discovered the expressive and therapeutic power of art as it relates to emotion? How did that just sort of develop for you? Yeah, it developed very naturally. This is something I never thought (laughs) I would be getting myself into. And even (laughs) as a kid, I wasn't a particularly like emotional or at least externally, you know, I was quite reserved, very shy. You know, I grew up in a family where we didn't really talk about emotions so much. So this is in some ways surprising that I ended up here and also not very surprising. Right. Um, I've always been into making art and creating and I was a very creative kid. I would draw comics, all that stuff. But I went to college to be a graphic designer because for me, that felt like a great intersection of creating graphics of, you know, having a little bit more of a stable income. Yes. <laughs> and I and I loved it. I, I I really did love it. But at the end, when I was graduating in about 2015, 2016, I felt a little bit burnt out in the sense that I wanted to make things with my hands again. Mm. And so I came across something called the 100 Day Project. Yeah. And if anyone follows me, they'll know that that's a big part of my journey. And especially in 2016, I decided to draw my feelings for mm. 100 days And that was really the seed. That was like what birthed this whole brand, everything, the book and all of my art. It it really started at that project. So how did you decide on that theme that year? Because, you know, everybody does so many Mm -hmm. different things. And I'd love to talk more about the 100 Day Project. But how did you decide to do that? Draw your feelings. Yeah, I think it was personal. It was like personal medicine for me at that moment. I never thought that this would turn into a thing. This would be become, I wasn't looking for like the results of my work. I was just looking for some sort of expression. And at that point, I was taking a bit of a gap year in my life. I was traveling. I, I went to India. I was invited to go to Australia. It was both really fun. And, you know, when you're in that like gap year, when you're taking the space in life, sometimes it gives us more of a chance to reflect and be like, Mm. where am I going? What am I feeling? What's happening? And I think that became really present for me. And I just somehow with all of that, I was, I was doodling. I would, I would doodle in my notebooks and I thought, what if I did this every day? And then when the hundred day project rolled around, I thought, what if I kind of created a project on this? And Honestly, I didn't think I would last more than 10 days. <laughs> so I'm glad I did. Did you get um, feedback from viewers immediately on that, that, that showed you that they, you were onto something? Yeah, it, mm. I did. And that's why I've, I, I get a lot of, um, you know, I owe a lot even to social media. There's the good sides and the bad sides, but that the community aspect and the mirroring that you get from just drawing mm. something immediately is so powerful. And I didn't have a ton of followers. I just had my friends or so mm. that I knew. And, um, but the amazing thing is, and this is one takeaway I got from doing this project is that honesty is always attractive. Whether you have a mm. hundred followers or a hundred thousand, if you're that. sharing anything, yeah, if it's honest, people are going to be attracted. And from the very beginning, when I was sharing my little drawings and they were, they were very humble. It was just one little sketchbook, small enough that I can carry in my purse. That was my strategy. If I'm going to do it every day, I have to make it portable. Mm-hmm. And, and one color, I literally chose one color just because it was easy. It was like this pink, the strawberry red, pink color and a ballpoint pen. 
And I would draw these little characters and I would caption it with the feeling that I was having. And about like three, four days in, I would get a few like consistent people saying, oh my God, that's me. Oh my God, I've Ah. always felt that way. And I never knew there were words for it. And it was just curious. It was encouraging. And it it felt like, oh, there's some juice here, you know? So that I think that kept me going in the project. Mm. And when you're, when you put your words to your drawing, was it just like this? You just thought, well, how am I feeling? And you put that down. It wasn't like, how am I going to be, you know, just expound on this? How did, how did that kind of unfold? Yeah, it was, um, I coined this term obscure emotions and that's what the project was called. I and that. I did, I think I, I did think about it. I don't know how explicitly I thought about it, but I wanted to make it very personal and very universal. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it was, I wouldn't say it wasn't like poetic or anything, but that artsy part of me was also crafting the language. I think that was part yeah. of it. And let me see if I could think of any, you know, I had an obscure emotion for when you're, when you're wanting to explore, but afraid of getting lost. That was one of my first ones. Oh, Oh, that's good. Yeah. So the language was like, it was deeply personal. And yet I wanted to phrase it in a way that everyone can get it when you heard it. And uh, surprisingly, they just kind of kept flowing the more I did it. And that term obscure emotion became really fun. And that led to another learning. And there's a lot of learnings that came from this one project. But one I like to say is that uh, what is most personal is most universal. Oh, that's really interesting. It's that's like really a it's like a pillar of my work that if mm. you go really, really personal into how you're feeling, it will be very universal because mm. we're all connected. Right, right. Absolutely. I love that so much. I think so many of us are stopped um, as far as sharing that personal part of us for so many reasons, what, whatever that might be. But when we do, or when we see, I know when I see others doing that, certainly in your work, there's that connection. There's that, oh, the humanness of it, that person becomes more real, more approachable. And so, uh, you know, I love that your work encourages others to be that way. And certainly Mm -hmm. your book does. And I, I, you know, I touch on this a lot where I feel like that's, that's, sharing of yourself in whatever way feels right. I mean, it's not like mm-hmm. there's any right or wrong way, but, but it, but just to remember, as you're saying that it does create a connection that doesn't happen in many other ways. Mm, yeah, that's beautiful. When we share ourselves, we really do give permission for others to share themselves. And I think that's just such a benefit to making art. You know, I see people all the time who are like, oh, did my words really matter? I have like 100 followers. What, what's the point? And I, I do believe in that ripple effect for artists. I love that. I love your quote, honesty is always attractive. I mm-hmm. I wrote that mm-hmm. down. <laughs> yeah. that's a good one. You know, and I feel like creativity and I know you touch on this in many ways, but it, our limiting beliefs and self-doubt can certainly get in the way. And and you touching on emotions, a range of emotions in this, but I talk to a lot of people who don't even see their potential because they're looking through their own lens at their work. And and maybe it's what they've heard from others or or where they feel like they fit in, but that self-doubt is clouding their mm. their ability to move forward. And what what would you say to somebody to kind of maybe crack that for them? Yeah, ooh, it's yeah, that's like forever relevant, right? That self doubt, especially for artists, because 
you know, I feel like we have in some ways the most warped sense of perception of ourselves. We we really don't see ourselves clearly like others. And mm. I can really relate to that self-doubt. I in some ways it never quite goes away. It just shows up in different forms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even I've been I've been drawing my feelings for seven, eight years now, and, and it's been quite a journey. But in that so I feel like when I step up my potential, sometimes the self-doubt steps it up too. And mm, it's this constant yeah. tension. And what I'm realizing is that it's not about removing the self-doubt. It's about like living in that tension. Like, mm. man, I am gonna be, I'm gonna be doubting myself. I'm not gonna see myself clearly, and I'm gonna still choose to show up for my art. Mm. And I think being able to be in that is really important. And there's a few ways to go about it. I mean, <clears throat> that's why people and community matter so much you have people around you who can mirror you that's yes. going to be really important and mm. another one is you know the 100 day project for me was so revolutionary because it really taught me about just showing up for your practice every day no matter how you're feeling mm. and i'm a person who like lives my life based on how i feel so if i'm inspired i'll show up if i'm not i won't but if there's like a structure that i'm committed to and i say even for seven days, I'm going to do this every day for seven days, Mm. then suddenly whether the self-doubt is there or not, you still do it. And I think that's like, that's how you kind of crack that is Mm. that consistent showing up for, for something more than whether you're feeling it or not. (laughs) I love that. And that's such good advice. It's practical. It's wise. It's, it's like, there you go. If we can show up for seven days, feeling a certain way or telling ourselves something, then eight, nine, 10, a hundred, or it's just maybe the habit, you you start that habit of of talking to yourself in a different way, maybe. Yeah, you know? that's another one. I mean, the, definitely structures and habits really help. And at the core, it's so much like self-compassion and the way we talk to ourselves. Mm. And recently I've been I don't know if you're familiar with IFS, internal family systems, as a, mm. a therapeutic framework that basically talks about us as all being made of parts. Mm. And it, I mean, it can go so deep, but you can think of yourself as, you know, you have the part that's going to be really afraid. And you also have a part of you that's really courageous. Yeah. You have a part of you that has that inner critic and that's maybe always going to live in you. And then you have that soft inner parent. And so you have all these parts. And um, for me, studying this has been really revolutionary because it's such a almost like such a clear way to look at self-compassion. It means like what part of myself am I being compassionate to? Yeah. So, so instead of, you know, sometimes there's a very, we have like, we, we think of self-doubt as something to like remove and almost like have this Mm -hmm. like kind of like harshness, this masculine harshness. And (laughs) I think there's something to say about the softness of like, what is that self-doubt telling me? Right. Why is it there? Where does it come from? Who, you know, where did I learn that from? And I think approaching that with like curiosity is it completely changes the paradigm. Oh, I really like that. Approaching it with curiosity. Yeah. I was thinking to myself as I was saying, if you can practice this for, you know, eight, nine, ten days. But self-doubt, for example, it's not like it goes away, right? It's yeah. it's there and it's potentially healthy on some days, right? To have that. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's managing it. And like you said there's so many parts that we're made of and for many reasons our upbringing or trauma or experiences or joys or whatever those parts show up you know dna those parts show up mm-hmm. in different ways for different people so i think it's also important to realize that and i'm i'm sure you've found in your or i would imagine you've found in your interactions with others responding to what you do just how 
colorful that rainbow of emotions is around those things. Is has that shown up? You mean the rainbow of how people feel when they want to yeah. make art and there are all the different fears? Do you hear different points of view from others? Definitely. I think there's so many different forms of resistance people feel. Um, self-doubt is one. Uh, fear, self-sabotage, inner critic, procrastination is another yeah. form of it. Yeah. Um, have you heard of this book called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield? No. It's fantastic. Stephen Pressfield has been writing books about creativity since like the 70s. Mm -hmm. And uh, oh, he has some fantastic stories. But this book, it's a small little book. And it's like a, oh, it's like a, I don't want to say like a punch to the gut, <laughs> but it like, really <laughs> lights a fire under your butt for creatives. And it basically oh, nice. says that it says that all creatives, like there's this force in the world called the resistance, mm -hmm. <laughs> almost like the dark side that we yeah. all face. And he says that it comes in so many different flavors and, and appeals and looks. And as artists, we have to overcome the resistance by just showing up. Mm. And he has this, I mean, it's like amazing if you want to just get into action because his whole thing is like get your butt in the chair and don't uh. let your mind get into any form of resistance because that's like self-doubt as a form of resistance. Um, even the way we self-sabotage, you know, we purposely kind of ruin opportunities and we purposely you know, don't make time for the things that are important. And so all of this is rooted in a type of fear. Mm. And, and he kind of talks about the artist's journey, almost like the hero's journey. And it's Mama. pretty amazing. Yeah, it's like the artist has to go through these trials and tribulations to come out the other side. And it's pretty epic. And it, it helps you feel kind of epic as an artist that, that these things are normal and you should expect it. And to overcome it means to really like up-level yourself as an artist. Mm. That's so great. I I think that brings up for me all the things that are involved in creating, creating anything. And I know you and I both agree that everybody is inherently creative. Yeah. For sure. And I think we think of being creative as put a brush on a canvas or, you know, draw something or create something in some way. But there's so much more to it, like you're talking about what's overcoming something or the mood you're in that day mm -hmm. or just so many things, human things that lead to whether, whether it's going to be a creative day or not. Yeah, it's so true. Creativity is so much more than like you said, paint on a paper. I think of creativity as almost being inherently courageous also. Mm, because creativity, yeah, it's the ability to see things differently than how we're used to. It's like breaking our patterns, mm -hmm. you know, like, will you Will you take a, a route to work that's different? That's creative. Yeah, will you, will you sure. say hi to someone you wouldn't usually? That's creative. It's like anything that pulls us out of our comfort zone. And I think that universal outlook of creativity is really helpful for us mm. to think that creativity is a way of life. And it's also not like just some frivolous thing or it's not a luxury. It's absolutely a necessity. And, and I really believe that because when we tap into creativity, we feel alive in our life. Mm. And I think that's, that's a necessity to life to feel that we're really in tune with ourselves. We're living fully because again, creativity is, 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 um, yeah, stepping out of those paradigms, creating new ways of being and seeing. And that's super important. Oh, that's oh, oh, so good. You know, I just, I also wanted to capture creativity as anything that pulls us out of our comfort zone think about that. It's so true because it takes being brave or, or it takes mm -hmm. being slightly uncomfortable and your, you know, synapses are firing differently than your, yeah. your aliveness is showing up in a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it like reframes, reframes how we think of self-doubt and all these things that instead of they're 
being obstacles, they're almost the way of being because when you go out of your comfort zone, it's going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so all this stuff is going to come up and learn to dance with it, to learn to be okay with it, to learn mm-hmm. what it's telling us. Again, like that wisdom of like, wow, what is my fear telling me can be just revolutionary to really listen to that instead of fighting mm-hmm. it. That's so true. I feel like I know for me personally, fear or uncomfortableness, sometimes I would just package that up and put it somewhere where I didn't have to look at it. But once I start looking at it, oh, you're so much more alive then, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's definitely hard. I I feel you. I like to compartmentalize things, put it away because, and I write about this a little bit in my book that emotions, I mean, they're so important. It's part of what gives us life, but they're also messy. Mm-hmm. And our brain that likes to be very productive and organized, it's like when our emotions come through, like everything falls away and it it kind of like throws off our productivity. It takes time. It takes space. And how to make space for that is really important. Almost how to expect that mm-hmm. when we're dealing with these emotions, it's going to be a little messy and that's okay because not everything can be like neatly packaged and, and tidy. I love that. So I want to go back to your 100-day emotions project again, because I have a question. Before you did that, and you just said you kind of thought of, here's what I'll do. Were you thinking about how we show up and how our emotions affect what we do? And were you was that already a passion for you? Or did it come from this, do you think? It totally came from this. I don't mm-hmm. think I did anything like this before. It was like a process of self-discovery that I was like, oh, I'm interested in this. And yeah. then, you know, year after year, I kept doing the 100-day project and I would explore different facets of of this topic. Okay. So tell me a little bit more because now all that digging and research and beautiful drawing and expressive drawing has led to your book. And that I'm very excited about for a lot of reasons. Can you share a little bit about your book and how it came to be? Draw Your Feelings. I love that name too. Yeah, thank you so much. It's pretty surreal that that book is out. I think it's a direct relationship to this early project in 2016. And um, it's called, yeah, it's called Draw Your Feelings. It just came out October 10th. So it's pretty new in the world. And, um, you know, I started writing it in 2021, at the end Mm. of 2021. That's when I got the book deal, the opportunity. Um, Yeah, how it came to be. In some ways, I like to say it it felt like a stroke of luck, like, oh, it just happened. And in other ways, like, oh, that's like eight years of work consistently that brought me here. Um, but you know, one, one fine day, I got an email from my now editor in 2020, Mm. who I, she had followed my work online. She just sent me a cold email on my website and she said, Hey, love your work. Have you ever thought of writing a book? If you have, let me know. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. I I think she saw a certain potential and she was almost just like putting out a little interest there. Um, it was right before the pandemic. So things kind of went crazy. lost touch with her for about a year. Yeah. I was was going to say what a time to be thinking of a book like that, something that, you know, the intersection of art and emotional well-being and how we're doing it on the everyday. What a what a time to to be digging into yeah. that. Yeah, totally. And this happened like January 2020. And so when the pandemic happened, you know, life shifted so much. But uh, about midway into the year, I started hosting these Zoom calls where I would do draw your feeling workshops. Mm. And that's where like really the material came to be. But again, I it's almost like it happened very organically. I was posting things on Instagram. People were telling me that they had sort of had a need for this. And then I threw up a Zoom link like once a week and mm. a few people would come on. And I was I would just, you know, take examples of my own art and sort of encourage people how to do the same. 
Um, but it really took off. I mean, I suddenly, not that I became obsessed with it, but it was like such a form of expression. I had never really taught before then, but it unlocked this other part of me. I was like, wow, teaching and facilitating mm. and building community was so enlivening. I mean, I almost loved it more than making art. <laughs> mm, and yeah. again, on Instagram, you're creating, it's sort of one-sided, but when you get on Zoom and you meet folks, and then especially when I saw that glimmer in their eye when they would draw something that really mm -hmm. was true to how they felt, it was like so confirming. I was like, wow, mm. this actually works. It's not just something that I do. It's not because I'm especially talented or whatever. It, it's a process anyone can do. And I think that planted the seed of the book that, that came later. I love that. And, and just thinking through that, you know, there's, there's art classes we can take that, again, you might feel, oh, I can do this or, oh, I'm not going to be able to keep up or whatever. But when we talk about drawing how we feel, are there any rules for that, really? Yeah, people want a lot of rules, and I keep <laughs> removing them. <laughs> I'm like, you guys, this is a little different. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. When I start my workshops, I usually give like a few rules, but it's basically um, be soft on yourself, have fun, enjoy the process, and, um, you know, don't don't feel like you need a certain type of result. So it's sort of like a mindset. Oh, one of them is be a beginner. Even mm. if you've been painting for 20 years, like now's your chance to be a beginner. But drawing your feelings is very different in a sense. I give just enough structure, but I try to remove a lot. And so people can feel a little like uncomfortable in the beginning because they're like, what do I draw exactly? And I'm like, just throw your colors on the page. You know, you follow this little bit of structure and right. see what happens. Um, but it's great. I, I would say majority of people who do it have not painted since they were kids, which is really mm. fascinating. And a lot of them say they're very, they're almost like terrified. I'm like, who here is a little uncomfortable? They're like, whoa, I, I don't know what I'm doing with my paints and colors. And I, I tell them they're my kind of student because like that place is, is rich with discovery to do something you're already uncomfortable with. And yet it's so natural because everyone as a five-year-old was an artist. Right. Like they boldly yes. declared they were an artist. It's like what happened along the way. And so I think that journey is really interesting for me. And there, there's a lot that comes up from it. Mm. Oh, gosh, I love that. I think it must be so fascinating to watch that process unfold and evolve. And I know you have, you're just starting something called the Feelings Club. Is that sort of a yeah. similar thing to what you were doing then? Yeah, it, it's similar. I've been hosting workshops and those workshops turned into courses. I had like six week courses and that is what led to the book. Like I made these workbooks for the course and that's when I reached back out to my editor a year later and I was like, here's something. And yeah. amazingly, she was like, we love it. Like, can you expand on that? So my 60 page workbook became a 200 page book. Oh, I love that. And that yeah, that's really like the origins of it. And um, in some ways, throughout all of that, I had this thought of a membership of like a, a space where people can consistently create and learn together. Because mm -hmm. right now I get a lot of drop-ins. People come for a little bit, then they go. I was like, what if you had like a community okay. and who was like dedicated to like self-reflection through art? And once the book came out, I mean, it hasn't even been a month. I, it really felt like the opportunity is ripe to get people together and almost go a little bit of a book club. That's sort of how I framed it, but mm. I believe it'll be a lot more than that. Oh, for so, sure. Yeah. At the moment, it's like, okay, you get access to me as an author. We get to hop on calls together, but I'm also planning to share resources and little like printable workbooks and, you know, studio hours where you come on for a little bit and draw. And yeah. I, 
again, <laughs> I'm seeing like a theme in my life when I look back now. When I start something, I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> I just have this intuition. I was like, a feelings club makes sense. Where it'll be a year from now, I don't know, but it just makes sense. So I, I threw myself into it. We did a launch. It just ended yesterday and we have about 50 members, which is amazing. And I'm really excited to see where it goes. So you have a few months to to play as those original members. And then will you open mm-hmm. it up in January? Did I see? That's the plan. Yeah. Right, right now it's like a founding member lunch. Love and it. I'm really, I'm really seeing it for me as a learning experience. I yes. just to pour a lot into it. See what I learned, see people's experience, and then open it up and uh, see who wants to come in. And then really do like a year-long journey or even more. I love um, that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's cool too that, and it makes great sense that your book evolved. And might not have been the same had you not kind of the pandemic started. The your editor contact kind of we everybody, you know, retreated to their corners for yeah. for a while. But you, but then you chose to offer these live calls and come together. So that gave you even more material than you might have when she first reached out. Oh, totally. I don't think the book would have happened without people. And what what's something that's really funny is when I got the book deal in 2021, it was both so exciting. And like, talk about self doubt, it was like, the amount of confidence and excitement I had, then the the self doubt just went way up. Also, it's like, the more you get you rise to the occasion, the self doubt (laughs) rises too. And for a little bit, I was like, how do I do that? Like, how do I write a book? And um, I don't know if you know, Anamika, yeah. She's a creative. Yeah. So she yeah. reached out around that time. And I said, you know what? I could use some mentoring around this, actually, just oh, someone nice. to help me overcome my doubt. And it was really cool because she really helped to coach me. And we came up with this really interesting strategy that, that for me, my work is born of community. And for me to just sit in a corner and silently write a book, it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And so what I started to do is I threw these demo workshops where I didn't even have the content for the workshop. It was like a skeleton. And I would be testing exercises that I'm going to put in the book with people and get their feedback and use it. And so I did about like eight of those. And that those ended up being like kind of like chapters of the book or at least cool. help me get a starting point. Yeah. So it was like, a again, like a creative solution to this problem. And it helped me realize that, oh, this is how I work. When I speak things out loud, when I teach, like light bulbs go off, I see connections. And so just to say that the book came from that place of community connection mm. as well. I love that. And she's such a she shines a light so well. She's yeah, such she, a colorful spirit. Oh, that's mm-hmm. so great. That makes great sense. Hey there, Windowsill Chats listeners. This is your host, Margot, and I'm here to share some new and exciting opportunities with you. Do you want to dive even deeper into the conversations we have in the Windowsill? Well, I have got a treat for you. In case you missed it, we launched our very own Patreon channel a couple of months ago, and our community continues to grow and evolve every day. And it's the perfect way for you to get involved and support the continuation of these thought-provoking conversations. Joining our Patreon community allows you to be a crucial part of what we do here and take windowsill chats to the next level. Now I know what you're thinking, there must be a cost to this, but hold on a sec, guess what? For less than the cost of a single coffee a week, you can become a proud member of our Patreon family. Yep, for just $5 a month, you can support this podcast and ensure that these conversations will continue to be heard. Our Patreon community is where the magic happens. Not only will you get exclusive behind-the-scenes content, early access to new episodes, and bonus conversations with special guests, but you'll also be able to connect with other like-minded listeners who share your passion for artistry, creativity, and learning. By joining Patreon, you're making sure that these 
these conversations keep flowing and I can continue to bring you the diverse perspectives and insights you've come to love. Your support directly impacts the quality and frequency of these episodes, and I couldn't do it without you, truly. So if you believe in the power of ideas and the beauty of human connection, I invite you to check out our Patreon page today. Simply head over to patreon.com backslash in the windowsill or just search in the windowsill and select the membership tier that best suits you. Remember, it's less than the cost of one coffee a week, but the impact you'll make is truly immeasurable. Thank you for being part of our incredible community and helping us keep these conversations alive and thriving in the windowsill. Your support means the world to me, and I can't wait to see you over on Patreon. That's www.patreon.com in the windowsill. I know you've done a lot of work with, as as you've been seen as this person who dives into the this kind of emotional, creative connect, connectivity, um, how do you introduce the concept of art making as a practice um, for mindfulness when you are with these sort of more corporate settings or schools or teams or things like that? How how do you kind of speak to to them? I, I'm sure that's something you didn't expect yeah. when you started that yeah. first hundred day project. Oh my god, absolutely not! That's been such a good stretch for me, very out of my comfort zone. Because I already put that limitation on myself. They're like, oh, corporate people aren't interested in this. You know, like I already had this thought that that uh, no way they would want to do my workshops. I mean, get a bunch of people with their crayons and color pencils. <laughs> and um, I think, again, that paradigm shifted in 2020. I, I did something for Creative Mornings, which was really fun. Oh, we did yeah, like a field right. trip. Yeah. So some people found me through that. And they're like, oh, do you want to do a lunch and learn at my community? And everything was on Zoom. So it was awesome. So I would try things out. And again, that same theme of like, I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> but right. People were gracious enough. And then I had a contact who introduced me to someone at RBC, which is Royal Bank of Canada. Very cool, but like totally, I just felt like a bank. Why would I, <laughs> what would they get from this? And, you know, amazingly, I learned so much from that. You know, the HR department, they were super kind and they really gave me a chance, even though my slideshow presentations were like all made on InDesign and they were not like corporate slides at all. Right. How refreshing. Um, but I, yeah, I, yeah, I think they saw it as refreshing. And I came up with this um, exercise about drawing your timeline. It was basically like the most basic, at least for a setting where people don't want to draw too much. You basically Love draw this. a graph of your year and you sort of graph your emotional highs and lows. So I was like, okay, we can really make this look like data. So it was like a lot of reframing, which was inspired from what I was learning about art, that art is information, which is data. And the minute I said that, it really fit a new framework. Mm -hmm. And especially, and it, I've been doing it more and more, like some corporate partnerships. And I do see that people, one, are really interested in this. It's yeah. refreshing. And it's like, it's different because people are tired of just hearing and taking in. They want something interactive. Yes. And I'm always surprised what people come up with in, in some of these sessions. Like they do get really vulnerable and um and you know, there's a lot to be said about mindfulness because art really can be a form of mindfulness. So I tell people that we want to take a space in our life to reflect. You can do that through journaling, through yoga, through breathing, and art is the same. So for this little bit of time, we're gonna take that space and we're gonna reflect and we're gonna, you know all in some ways like buzzwords, but it's all true. You gain self-reflection, you gain empathy, you reframe, you build cognitive resiliency, all these things. <laughs> but I had to learn, but I, as I'm doing it, I feel that it's very genuine. I feel like this really, creativity really has a place in the workspace as well. That is so intriguing to me. I love that <laughs> so much. I feel like, I love that somebody, somebody 
with some vision came to you and said, hey, I have this contact. You should talk to these people because that is, I just think, such an uncharted Totally. territories there's so much potential there and i don't mean like oh you could i mean you could make a lot of money but you could touch so many people mm. who and how many of those people who have that job what were those drawers at five years old you know and yeah. some of them are still like maybe that's a hobby that they have or whatever but they're in this very corporate place and and their the out their outcome of their day is very important and to be able to look at it in a slightly different way, that that's what I feel like is mind expanding for us. We tend mm. to, oh, this is how it's always been. I have to do it a certain way. But then when you're introduced to a slightly different conversation, mm. I, I imagine or I would hope they take that back to their desk with them as well and think, mm. how how do I want my timeline to look next year when I think about drawing it? You know, can mm -hmm. I change that? Or mm -hmm. is something else maybe more important? Or I love that. Oh, thank you. You know, I don't talk about this too often, but I, I'm feeling really enlivened sharing because it is amazing. And for me, it was mind expanding for me. It still is. And it makes me realize, like you said, everyone was that five-year-old. Everyone is creative. But I also fall in that trap of thinking there's creatives and there's not creatives. <laughs> and people who have corporate jobs and are in this certain way, I make these assumptions. I'm like, mm. they wouldn't like that. Or, oh, I'm a little like, you know, off the beaten path. I don't know if they'll be interested. And I think that does a big disservice because I'm thinking that creativity only works for some people. Mm -hmm. And so, like you said, this is really, it is uncharted territory. And it's very fascinating mm. um, to really be in these spaces. It's going to be really fun to watch your path around who and how you're speaking to people, who you're speaking to and how, because, oh my gosh, I could see that really, really blowing mm -hmm. up in a good way. Really, oh, really heading. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it feels really important. I like that so much. I've, I've been, I was entre always entrepreneurial, but have definitely um, spent some time in corporate. And one of the things I always thought was interesting about corporate larger corporate is how they would bring in speakers and try this and try that and think we'd like to hear that, this and that. And I was just always curious as to how these people were found and chosen, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I think there's a lot of legs in that for you. Yeah, thank you so much. It is interesting. Even the way I, how I'm connecting with people right now, it's very grassroots at the moment. It's like someone mentions someone and I get my foot in the door and, and there's always someone who sort of believes in it. Mm -hmm. But like you said, people are looking for something else. And even, you know, in these companies, people have an as assumption of what a gathering and a talk looks like. And I think as artists, it gives us the opportunity to break that assumption and try something different for people. There's also the feeling aspect of it. I feel like right now with the world feeling in such tumult, I use the word feeling several times there, but there's a lot of feeling involved. Yeah. But to to be able to realize that they could have someone like you come in with this subject and bring a little humanity to it instead of mm. just numbers or systems, yeah. I think that's great. Yeah, I hope oh, you see a lot you. of good results with that. Oh, well, thank you so much, Margot. And I, I'm fully on you with that, that it's so important. We need more humanity in general. We need people to feel like emotionally acknowledged for everything they're going through. We really do. It's so important too. I I think, you know, with, with all that's going on, sometimes it's hard to know 
how to post and what to post when, when it's like, is this going to seem like I'm not paying attention to what's happening in the world or, but then it's sort of medicine for ourselves to, to do both, to make sure we're paying attention in the way that feels right for us and to just be in our daily lives as well. Speaking of which, I'd love to touch on social media for a second, because I think that that is certainly how we get seen, how these projects Mm -hmm. blossomed for you. And you have, what is it? 99,000. Like get her over a hundred thousand. Come on. Oh my God. I've been there for a while. That's so interesting. Yeah. (laughs) But I'd love to know how these digital platforms like Instagram have empowered your mission of promoting creativity. And, you know, obviously people can see it on on there, but have you ever felt deterred, um, you know, or, or how do, how, how do you love it? How do you hate it kind of thing? Oh yeah. So many ways (laughs) (laughs) I can say about it. Oh, I've been, I mean, I've been posting consistently since like 2016 or so, but um, platforms like Instagram and on social media, they're just always changing Mm. and it can be really tiring for sure. But there's like different like I believe from like 2016 to 2019 for me was really rich. And, you know, there weren't reels, there wasn't so much emphasis right. on videos. So, so static artwork would be seen a lot and mm-hmm. artwork that was very shareable, especially when stories came in and like right. some years ago, super shareable. Like it, it was, I found that I, I kind of snowballed, you know, I was the same, you know, maybe a thousand or 2000 for a few years. Mm. And then um, there was a few things that, that really caught on. Um, are you familiar with the Enneagram? Yes, very. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So 2017 or maybe 18, I did a hundred day project on the Enneagram. And at that ah. time, I felt it was a little less known and it was right. something super intriguing for me. And I genuinely remember like, oh, people are going to start unfollowing me. They're not going to know what this thing is. It's so niche. And I was so wrong. There was like this gold mine of people hungry for the Enneagram who didn't have it elsewhere. And I just like, I went up like tens of thousands of people wow. during that project. What year did you do that? 2018. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Good year to, because it really did. I mean, I, I grew up with a mom that, that taught us about that early on. So I feel oh. like, you know, lucky to kind of have known about that, but I really feel like everybody started talking about it. Yeah, eighteen, nineteen in that time, mm-hmm. and I, I'm so intrigued to, to, um, to hear what you did for a hundred yes. days about that. Oh my god, the timing was perfect. It was insane, actually, because before I did that, I remember searching Instagram for Enneagram content, and there was like three accounts. Like I could yeah. count it on my hand, and it yeah. felt like this unknown thing. And basically, that year, I'd met friends at this organization in New York called Upbuild, and they're Enneagram coaches, and they did workshops, and mm. I found it revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Actually, this ties back to my first, my obscure emotion project, because I, I self-published it into a little book. And one of the founders of that company, he saw my book and he goes, wow, this girl is drawing Enneagram types and she doesn't even know it. And oh, I was like, excuse me, what does that mean? Yeah. Like all the drawings apparently could connect to a certain emotion of an Enneagram of course, type. Of course. Yeah. And so he saw that and I was like, what does that mean? And uh, I thought it was fascinating. I went through their course. I came out discovering I was a four. Um, both happy and also seeing all the side, you know, you see the good and bad of it. I was like, whoa, but it, it led to so much self-knowledge of like who I am, why I do the things I do. And I discovered that, um, and I kind of broke it down. I was like, I want to draw these types. 
And for a hundred days, I managed to do it because I drew all the types and then I drew the type wings. I basically collaborated with one of the founders. He was a four also. He was really excited. And he gave me like a little bit of content each day and we mapped wow, it out. Wow, how great. And we did, yeah, we did like, you know, for those who aren't aware, there's like nine types mm-hmm. and they'll each have a wing. So that's like 18. And then there's also instincts. So every type has three different instincts. It's like 27 types. So we did that also. And you can go deeper and deeper in the Enneagram. We did like the ways of being and we did, you know, there's all different. I'm sort of forgetting it now, but somehow we filled a hundred and it was an amazing project. And it was so interesting, like how it really found a type of audience I wasn't expecting. So interesting. And, And talk about aligning with emotions. And if you don't know about the Enneagram, did you say Upbuild? Yeah, they're called Upbuild. Upbuild.com is their website. I'll link to that in the show notes as well, because it's really fascinating and leads to a really, I think, fantastic way to kind of understand how you relate to the world, to your family, to other, to anybody else, really. But it's so helpful in knowing, oh, you might be looking at it this way while someone else is looking at it that way. And it it takes a lot of things into account when knowing you're a four or I'm a nine or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I love that you spent a hundred days yeah. and that you oh had someone to work with because that must have made it super fascinating for both of you. Yeah, it was amazing. And to be honest, I, I haven't stopped. <laughs> I'm <sighs> a Vegas Enneagram aficionado. And you know, my study has gone on and off in different places, but I find it so helpful. And 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 again, that's why I like to talk about the 100-day project because you start from a place of personal interest. Sometimes mm-hmm. people start from a place of like, oh, this will bring me followers, but it doesn't right. keep you interested. You have to start from a place that you're interested. So in some ways, maybe I got lucky or maybe that's just what it was meant to happen, but I was both interested and there was this huge you know, community of people that were looking for it. Um, and anyway, I was digressing, but that's part of the Instagram journey that Instagram was amazing. That's how it's amazing that it connects me to those people. And then Instagram, of course, is really difficult in the sense that uh, in some ways you can keep posting and posting and your followers don't see it. And I think that's happened more and more in the last few years. There was a yeah. time I actually, it's funny, I, I hit 100,000 actually in 2020. Mm. Um, and since then I've gone down. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of joke. I'm like not as attached to it as I because I, I see it like a game. I'm like, who is seeing one percent sometimes of my right. followers see what I do, and that that's where it can get really discouraging. Of like, I I have a hundred thousand followers. I'm getting three hundred likes on images that used to get ten thousand likes. You know, that's crazy to have a hundred thousand followers and get three hundred likes on. Yeah. That's just that just math doesn't even compute. It doesn't. And so that's a part of me. I'm like, are those followers human? Are they bots? I mean, the world is so it's so hard to tell what's what. I do believe I have a huge community of people who can see what I'm doing. But it's it's just hard. Like social media, you just don't own it. You can't no, control it. You don't. And that's why that's why these workshops have been such a great paradigm shift because just getting 20 people on a zoom mm-hmm. call in some ways is so much more valuable and oh getting gosh. them on a newsletter and getting 100%. them on a membership space. And so I think I'm shifting more to that, but still using Instagram as my big net and trying to be a little more like detached from it, mm-hmm. um, but still showing up consistently. And Instagram for me works really well as like, if I keep it in that exploratory space, mm. again, it's shifted so much in the last years where right now it can feel very businessy. It's like, if you're not making five reels a week, what right. are you doing? You know, it's so much pressure. And I, and I, 
I get sucked into that at times. I feel like so exhausted at times. And what really helps is like, this is my place to explore. That's how I made a career is by posting hundred things, you know, every year. And so I want to stick with that. That way yeah. I'm not sure if you, I just throw things on and then being more strategic in like my newsletters and other places, but that's where it's evolved to now. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think if you did a hundred days of how Instagram is making me feel today, maybe <laughs> they would take notice. <laughs> That's a great idea. I will consider that. <laughs> hey, here's, here's maybe take a look at this. But I, I love that you say that your newsletter, and I'm sure your newsletter must be delicious and the, the zooms and the book and things like that. I mean, it really is. Instagram is one of the things to to make people aware of us and then we can share ourselves with them in different ways um, because we don't own it. We don't own any of it. And we have all known people that have had their Instagram sabotage in one way or another and lost yeah. all those things anyway. So it's that mailing totally. list and those other ways we, re we reach out to people. Yeah. And people are, people are oversaturated too. And I see from that perspective, I'm like, it's, it's a lot happening at once. You can't really expect people to like consistently follow you. And then you have an algorithm that won't let them anyway. Sometimes right. I'm on the app and you just see things from people you don't even follow. And it's just, it's almost, it's kind of controlling, you know, it's almost putting ideas of what you should follow. And that can be scary. And that's like another ethical problem as well. I agree. I, that just shows up so much, you know, even in the middle of looking through somebody's feed, not just who's on your home, mm. who shows up in your home feed, but it's like, I think I'm maybe scrolling through yours and somebody else pops up. It's just oh, mm. aggravating, which yeah. brings in, you know, that throws back up again, those, that imposter syndrome, or I'm not, I mean, I might, must not be good enough if people aren't responding, but it really isn't about that. Yeah, it's not. It's heartbreaking because in some ways, you know, a new artist or a budding artist will be sharing and it can feel really discouraging. And yeah, we, we just need to keep those people around us who are really there to support. I think it's a big part of it. When you feel like you're self-conscious or you're, you know, you have things that need nurturing, what are some ways that you nurture yourself? Mm, in the general sense? Yeah. Taking care of myself? A great question. Uh, nature has just always been my go-to place, um, getting fresh air, going for walks, really pausing. And I do struggle with that, especially the season of life. There's been so many changes and with the book and everything, um, there's like almost like we're like conditioned or I'm conditioned to go, go, go. And I think nurturing myself looks like stopping and mm. like being unproductive purposely, <laughs> mm. um, spending time with people. And for me also painting, you know, it's so funny. I'm doing this work and the more I get into the business of it, I notice the more I forget about painting. <laughs> and I'm, I'm thinking recently like, man, I, I need to, I need to follow my own medicine. You know, I need yeah. to paint and draw and um, that that's a big part of it. And then of course, beautiful podcasts. That's that helps. I, I listen to Krista Tibbet a lot. Yeah. And um, yeah, those are a few ways that come up for me. That's those are. Those are good ones. I just, mm -hmm. I just like hearing that because I feel like in the scheme of things, even though we all might share the same answers, we do it all in a slightly different way. So I appreciate, mm -hmm. I appreciate hearing about that. Yeah. It's a good question. Yeah. I, though, for those of us listening, I imagine we all would agree that creativity is a necessity for our emotional and mental wellness. But I think there's so many things getting outside and, and figuring it out and, um, just looking at what the day might bring and 
how you can relate. So I can't wait to for more people to get your book in their hands. Oh, and when does your next 100-day project start? You know, so there's like a global art movement with the 100-day right. project. And sometimes they have an official start date, which is around February. So sometimes I try to follow it. But even my relationship with the 100-day project has shifted. I'm sure. Because, uh, yeah, it totally has. And sometimes I follow it on that date. And sometimes I just do it when I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm thinking February sounds good for me next year. and. You know, I also, I have not finished some of my 100-day projects in the last few years. And past Rukmini would have felt pretty bad or guilty about that. But current Rukmini, I'm okay with that because I'm seeing it as like the participation looks different each year. And I want people to know that because there's so many people who, you know, they start and they don't finish and then they feel guilty and they never try it again. And it's just the willingness to start is so important. So I've been thinking, I've been feeling the need for a 100-day project. I did one. I started in February of this year and I made it about 24 days. And then I, so many things in life happened that got me busy, but I was drawing, um, you know, what's her name? Uh, who wrote Atlas of the Heart, Brene Brown. Mm, Yes. Her book, Atlas of the Heart is gorgeous. She goes through emotions actually. And I had this idea like, wow, I want to illustrate each one. So I start. I mapped it out, and there's actually a hundred if you include like the titled chapters. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So I, I have. So it's something fun about even starting a project. I made it today twenty four, but it's like there now. You know, if I ever want to go back to it. So I'm not sure exactly what I'll do next year, but it's like it almost feels like a creative sabbatical. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to see it because there's a part of my mind that's like, oh, how can I do this to like benefit my business or turn it into sure. a book? And that's great because like that will happen. But if I start from that place it puts added pressure. And if I'm like, this is my creative sabbatical, it's so much better. I agree. I really feel like if we take the time to just be creative from a heart place, what's inspiring you right now or what what are you curious about? That's when when it looks like magic. That's when that person reached out to you and said, I love what you're doing instead of you thinking this is going to be a book. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. And you know, I I look at some of those early drawings I did from my obscure motion series. And part of me is like, I don't know if I could replicate it. There's something so Mm. like tender and honest about it. And it's because I did it from a place of like, no expectation. Uh, There were crappy drawings, they were crappy, but they were like, very sincere. And part of me is like, man, you can tell when art is very honest, it comes from that place. You really can. That's a great thing to Remember, because I feel like often in the beginning, we think, oh, I don't want to share this. I haven't reached, quote, that place, end quote, mm-hmm. yet, when 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 you might be in exactly the right place, because it's yeah. still naive. Oh, yes, that's the word naive. And sometimes that art in those beginning days is just really rich and really beautiful. Mm-hmm. So anyone who's listening to this, make that, make that art. <laughs> make that art. I think about, I had, oh, years ago, um, I just had this line. I was playing around. I was in, um, I worked in a friend's flower shop in San Francisco and I started making these things out of wire because we had wire there. And so I made, I was bored one day and I made these wire chairs and she said, put them on the shelf and let's put a price tag on them. I thought, Oh my gosh, no. And like little miniature chairs, little miniature chairs. Yeah. They were probably, I don't know, five or six inches tall. And I wish I even had a picture of those first ones because mm. then somebody came in who was a had a showroom and in LA and he happened on them and he said, let's make this into a business. You know, they got, Wait, they the turned chairs? in. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh my god! You never know. They turned into, they turned into the very first thing that made me understand that how to I could make money from my art, which I didn't even know I was doing at the time. I was just playing, mm. and then that was the very seed that helped me do that for so many others over the years. But the very first ones were. Mm so naive and I wish and they became so precise because I did them over and over and over and over again and yeah so those very first ones don't be afraid of your very first things you know and maybe capture them somehow because you might want to look back on them later and that's such a beautiful story I love that there is something so naive and precious about doing something when you don't quite know what you're doing and I see that so much with my own story as an artist because now I've refined things and it's great but part of me is like, oh, I missed that feeling of being a total beginner <laughs> and mm-hmm. not knowing what I was doing because there's a charm to it. Oh, there is. And I imagine with the Feelings Club and with getting feedback from your book, you might see that a lot from others. I think that will be. Ooh, that's, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Whenever someone shows me like the art they're actually making for my book, it, I see that. I feel that actually, that that almost mm-hmm. that innocence of like, mm-hmm. this is just how I'm feeling. It's, you know, quote unquote, not very good. And part of me is like, this is amazing. This is so yeah. honest. I, I love that. It's like, it's again, it's back to that five-year-old kid. We love those kid drawings you know it's Mm -hmm. we can allow if we can allow ourselves space to feel that way once in a while it's it feels like it might be a very positive thing Mm, yeah absolutely well thanks for doing that for the rest of us just by connecting again when Mm -hmm. when you're willing to share your emotions with the rest of us it it allows us to to do the same Mm. oh thank you for that reminder i need it I, i think all of us artists need that to remember that yeah, it makes a difference. It really does. It really does. Oh, I love, I'm very inspired by this. I really appreciate it. Can't, can't wait to watch watch you grow and see what happens after this. Oh, well, thank now you. that the book is in the world, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Now we'll see what's what's going to be happening. And I'm just hoping to keep riding those waves and and stay open. Stay open to the new paradigms, to what, what I think is not possible, being able to maybe challenging yeah. that, you know, bringing art into corporates. That was that was one that was interesting. Let's that see is where, so where fascinating. Yeah. yeah. You'll have to come back and come back in a year and, and let's revisit kind of where what what it looks like after okay, ha- having the book out. And I'm going to put it on my calendar. <laughs> Please do. Let's do it. 2024, November 1st. I love it. I love it. So tell me, we've talked about a lot of inspiring people, which I'll capture in the show notes, but Anybody else you'd like to share today that's inspiring yeah, you? Uh, let's see. Um, hmm, coming up to mind. You know, this, this is a, just a little random, but Valerie Kaur, I don't mm. know if you follow her, if you've seen her, she is a, she's a Sikh activist and um, based in California. And I've been following her journey for years, especially with things going on with Palestine and mm-hmm. uh, Israel. But um, are you familiar with her? She's an amazing author. I speaker. just because I got a sneak peek of some of the people who might be inspiring you. So I did look her up and I'm really glad you're mentioning her because I feel like she has a lot to offer that seems so much, it's very, very relevant right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She talks about revolutionary love. She wrote like her yeah. memoir a few years ago. And mm-hmm. especially as like a, another South Asian woman, when I saw yeah. her and she, if you look her up on YouTube, she's done some amazing talks. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. And what she does really is she brings back the humanity into 
into activism, into what's mm. happening in the world. And she, for me, I've been looking at her because she's been giving me language that I don't usually, that I can't really access about, mm. about feeling our grief fully before we take action. She talks about how like when we don't feel our grief fully, it turns into rage and unhealthy rage. It, that's where it turns into destruction. Oh, so yeah. she's all about like getting into that feeling space and being okay with feeling like that terrible grief of the pain in the world and then letting it come to a place of like love love inspired rage which is also interesting she has a whole mm. like pr process in her books and in her educational um resources but and i can't remember it off the top of my head but i have been thinking about her and i've been really appreciating her message lately oh i love that so much i i have i opened her um website earlier and there's just some words that really stop and make you think, you know, okay. she says, this is a place for anyone who feels breathless. Your breathlessness is not a sign of your weakness. It is a sign of your bravery. It means you're awake to what's happening right now. Yeah. yeah and goes oh, on. It just gives me chills hearing it. Yeah. Like the, if you listen to her and see some of her other material, that's, mm. that's the feeling. It's like, she really brings emotion as like a source of strength. That mm. breathlessness, that grief, that rage, whatever's going on. It's like, how do we integrate into our full human experience and then go out in the world and take action? And to think of that as a form of strength instead of weakness, that's yeah. super powerful. Mm. Mm -hmm. Thank you for her, Rukmini, because I I had mm. not known of her before you mentioned her. That's mm, a good one. And anyone yeah. else we should be sure not to miss? That's what comes to mind right now. I know I mentioned like Brene Brown in her book and then uh, The War of Art is a classic. Yeah. Um, those are oh. great ones. Perfect. Oh, so much to learn from each other. I really appreciate yeah. it. And tell us where people can find you and how to sign up for your newsletter, things like that, because that sounds important. Yes, you can find me on my website, dearrooksy.com. Um, and then you'll find my newsletter and a lot of links to my work and contact form if you want to reach out and say hi. Otherwise, follow me on Instagram under Rock and Rooksy. Um, I post there regularly. And, um, you know, we just closed our launch for the Feelings Club, but that will open up again in January. So keep your eyes uh, open for that. Oh, and one more fun thing is that at the end of the year for the last three years, I've been doing like a free New Year's Eve reflection workshop. Oh, cool. That same timeline thing that I talked about, I do like a bigger expanded version and I make it totally free. I did that. I started in 2020 and I wasn't going to do it like the next year. And I got like people demanding for it. And it's really grown. Last year we did it. We had like 400 people live on Zoom. It was amazing. Wow. Do you do like, it actually on New Year's? I do. I do on New Year's Eve. I do the, the day before. So people are like really like looking. It, it's almost, I think three years in now, people say like, it's part of my ritual on New Year's Eve. And it's mm. like, wow. So I'm definitely doing that this year as long as I can each year. Um, so keep an eye out for that. I'll, I'll share more in December. I love that. I usually get together with um, a group of women friends and it right, changes who that might be, but we do vision boarding on new year's Ooh, eve we used to you know beautiful. have parties and all that but now we just we really put some thought into what that next year could look like so i think maybe we will bring you along with us this year oh i would too. love that i'm well, all about that stuff <laughs> be so cool and just to listen to what you're doing at the same time would be would be magical i love that yeah Awesome. Well, Wonderful. I'm putting you on my calendar to to check back in with so we Please can do that sounds how delightful. It's going. <laughs> Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today and just for sharing your thoughts because I think they're 
super relevant and important. Mm, Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Before you go, I just want to say a quick thanks for tuning in. I hope you found something useful to take away and something to make you think. For those of you listening in on Spotify, and I know there are many, you now have the cool option to show your love for Windowsill Chats quickly and easily. From the show page in the Spotify app, you can simply tap to rate it one to five stars. And of course, I'll really appreciate it too if you leave a review wherever you might be listening. See you next week, lovelies, and I hope it's a creative one.